0: AWS Developer Podcast. I'm Emily Freeman here with Dave Izbitsky, and we are joined today by Jody Bailey, CTO of Stack Overflow. Jody, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat with y'all.
0: I know we're thrilled. I, um, my team launched the AWS Collective on Stack Overflow late last year, and we've been working hard around that. We're just super thrilled to, to be partners with you and, and to kind of uh, join the Stack Overflow community
1: excellent yeah i'm super excited about the aws collective and as as you well know i'm i'm a former aws employee so it makes me especially excited to see it uh, you know, we've seen a lot of value uh, having the smaller communities uh, like collectives as opposed to the broader you know wide open Overflow.com. it allows yes. us to establish you know much more of a community with folks and and really get more personal and, and more detailed so I'm excited to see that you know I really value the opportunity to teach people and, and create opportunities for them to learn. So I think collectives are a great way to do it, and I think AWS is you know a fantastic partner in that space.
0: Thank you. We're we're thrilled to be a part of it. Should we dive into what a collective is, and and on the off chance someone hasn't heard of Stack Overflow, <laughs> what Stack Overflow <laughs> is briefly?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Maybe I'll I'll start with Stack Overflow as a at the high level, right? So, so we're really about uh, collective knowledge. You know, how do we help developers and technologists get their questions answered? And we've been around, I think, since 2008, we get 100 plus million visitors every month, and we get a new question essentially every four question, a new question every four seconds. And we have 52 wow. million oh! plus questions and answers on our site. So it's, it's a huge volume of, of questions and answers. And what's really great about it is that it, there are answers that you can trust because we have a community, we have a collection of moderators to ensure that you know, it's not filled with cruft, right? That, that we're providing good feedback, good answers, things are upvoted, downvoted, moderated. So it's, it's a place that developers and, and technologists in general feel like they can get an answer that is factual, right? I mean, because there's all sorts yeah. of information, all sorts of answers, but how do you know if it's a good answer? And sometimes you'll get multiple answers, right? And and there can be commentary around which answer is appropriate for which scenario, et cetera. So, you know, it's really, you know, the, the kind of the running joke is, you know, nobody writes code from scratch, they just copy and paste stack overflow, right? So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and you so, have those little keyboards with the the command yep. C command B <laughs> which
1: I love. Exactly. Yeah, it was an it was an April Fools joke originally and it sold out. We had Perfect. to order more and yeah. It
0: was well done. Was Whoever awesome. came up with that is a genius. I think it's right? really interesting, you know, if people haven't worked in community for a long time, I think their first instinct is that you sort of have to manage the community or convince people of the right answer. And and what you touched on just now is that the community really self-organizes, self-regulates, and moderates itself in a lot of ways. And of course there are issues with that, right? And we can we could talk about that uh there there are challenges with that. But it is interesting that a community has the ability to monitor itself.
1: You know, that that's so true. And and one of the things that I think is is fairly unique just about you know, developers and engineering as a whole, it's just the whole culture of giving back, right? My experience working with developers and engineers is that they want to help other developers and engineers solve problems and work through things. You see it in open source all the time, right? And the Stack Overflow community is exactly that. It's the, the idea that you know i can help somebody else solve their problems and somebody else can help me solve their problems and and because of that like you said in the community it's not like you have to encourage people or you know twist somebody's arm people want to do it and they want to provide good answers and good feedback so yeah. it, it really to your point it doesn't require a lot of moderation or encouragement that said you know there is gamification you know people yeah are really interested in, okay, well, what what's my reputation score and what badges have I earned and such. So, so it does, you know, create kind of a, you know, push and pull, if you will, where people are are just excited to do it, but then also, you know, encourage that you want to, to raise their score and see how well they can do so.
0: Absolutely. And you're so right in my experience, developers and technical folks in general are so eager and willing to sit down and coach someone or teach someone uh, it was a huge gift to me when I was first learning how to code. I mean, I just remember people sitting down with me and, and explaining very simple things now that I realize it. But, you know, if you're just starting, you have no idea. Uh, and I appreciate yeah. that Stack Overflow, it, it answers the questions for beginners because that's super important. And there's really uh, sort of niche detailed questions and answers on Stack Overflow as well. So it's a huge, huge range. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and you know what it reminds me of too. You made me think of this, Emily. So I think like software, just it's so much a trait. Like it reminds me of the past, where if I was going to be a blacksmith, I learned, you know, and I, I, it, I apprenticed, and you, you, you were working with a human being with real world experience every day, right? And open, and you'll hear people say that time and time again when's the last time you opened up a code window? Morning exercises, just writing code and just doing all of that. And it would be back then, it would be like, okay, I want to become really good at blacksmithing and someone gives you a documentation right and that's kind of like how it is <laughs> starting out and then you talk to someone you're like oh this isn't as hard as i thought it was just me trying to wrap my head around some api documentation i can actually see how this things work and, I, and that's what's so important about actually you know that the whole copy pasting code like starting from something as an as an example and i always felt that stack overflow is kind of that Community fire, that town square, right? The campfire, the town square. That's where we all go and we tell stories and we share everything we've learned uh, in a way. Because it used to be that way too, and we would all tell stories of our history. If someone said it wrong, the entire village would correct them. You know, it was like a shared history. And now, you know, you said two thousand eight. It's this shared history, which is so important in tech. Of you know, maybe languages that aren't as used now but that entire history of that language is there and we could still learn from that stuff
1: absolutely yeah I, and learning from different languages is something that i'm a fan of right yeah. i think oftentimes leaders you know or organizations want to restrict what people learn to okay well we only work in java right so therefore you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't invest, or I'm not going to invest in you learning a different technology. My philosophy has always been different, you know, it's more polyglot, I feel like by leveraging different languages, folks learn different principles, different ideas, and they can, they can apply it to the language they're learning, or maybe you discover that there are other languages that your organization can benefit from, I think it really kind of spawns the innovation. Um, and then just kind of bouncing back to, to answering questions and giving back one of the things that that I think is really important to, to remember is that, you know, it doesn't require an expert to answer a question, so, yeah. you know, to your point of, of learning something. If you've just learned something that I'm starting to learn, you may be able to answer it better than the person that, you know, is the expert. So yeah. I think it's, it's really important to remember that, I mean, You can answer a question if you just learned the answer yourself. It's not like you have to have X number of years of experience. We're just looking for somebody that knows a little bit more than us or knows something about something that we don't know. I
0: love that. That's incredible. Now, CTO Stack Overflow, this is sort of a meta dream job. What's your story? Like what's the personal story and career path that leads up to a job like that?
1: Boy, I don't know. I've been around for a while. How far back do you want me to go? (laughs) As far
0: back as you want.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll I'll tell you how I got to stack uh, most recently. And then if if you're interested, I can kind of tell you how I got into the space. So I mentioned that I was I was with it a, a, with AWS and I was at AWS as a director of product development in the training and certification organization. And while I was there, I was responsible for building the different technologies and services for serving the online training as well as instructor-led training, etc. Uh, great experience. Learned a ton. Moved to to Seattle for the opportunity, 2019, and then you know. The pandemic hit, of course, uh, but but I love it here. I've uh, learned a ton, and I had actually decided that I was going to take some time off, or or maybe you know an indefinite amount of time off, it just to you know to chase different passions. You know, I've been at this for a long time, and I was ready for a for a break. So you know, I left. Dave noticed and left uh, AWS. I kept telling all the recruiters, no, thank you, no, thank you. And then somebody said, hey, would you be interested in Stack Overflow? It's like, huh, I don't know. know, It it made me think about it, to your point, right? It's like everybody knows Stack Overflow, kind of dream opportunity. So I reluctantly said, uh, yeah, I'll talk to the CEO. So I talked to the CEO, and I liked him. And so then I talked to the chief product officer, and liked her and and next thing you know, you know we were we were talking about an offer and and I was attending their their meetup before i I joined. and and here I am. So you know it was just yeah. for me, it was a really great opportunity to work with one with a leadership team that that I think is is really talented and inspirational. And in particular, just you know a, a product line, a community, of engineers and people that really care and want to give back. And, and it really was in my sweet spot. And then you know, from a technology perspective, from a, an a organizational perspective, it felt like it was a place that I could make a difference. So it was kind of this confluence of all these perfect things. My my time off turned out to be about two months as opposed to, you know, years. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm really happy that I'm here. It's been a lot of fun.
0: I love that. I also love that it's it wasn't a straight path your career. I think so often, and and Dave has had a similar experience. I have a very circuitous path to where I am right now. I don't expect that to change in the future. Um, you know, I think people expect it to just be this. Oh, you get on the road toward you know x career path and that's how you have to kind of execute when really it's a little bit more organic and and sometimes messy if we're being honest but kind of picking up all that experience from various roles is is critical to the end
1: yeah totally you know i've i've always envied people that know exactly what they want to do where yes. they want to go and and how to get there right Same. i've never ever been that person yeah <laughs> and you know i I think it's fair to say I realized I think you know it's worked out well. you know i I've, I've got a great job. I've had a lot of amazing experiences, but looking back early in my career, I mean I'll go way back i didn't didn't realize I was going to go into software. you know I, the people that know me will laugh now, but my degree was in physics, and I wanted to get into technical sales of all things. Really? And I am not a salesperson. I mean, I, I was yeah. right, right up to the point of asking for money. And, yeah. You know, I wasn't so good at that. <laughs> no. um, And then I did a bunch of things, but, but I was really drawn to programming and got into that and then quickly worked into management. But, you know, I, I didn't start out thinking, oh, I want to be a manager. And when I was a manager, I didn't think I wanted to be a director and so on and so forth. It was more just each each step along the way i you know i took on new responsibilities saw ways that i could have an impact and then it's like okay well you know i'm as a developer i think i can help the organization by getting these other folks involved and helping them and then as a manager you know it's like oh i can become a director but i do remember at one point in my career talking or thinking I definitely do not want to be a vice president because the organization I was in, it was like vice presidents were there like two years and then they moved on, you know, yeah. right. so I definitely yeah. don't want to do that. Right.
2: You sound very much, uh, Jody, like a polymath and we need more polymaths because the more that you start to learn, I mean, this is how learning used to be, you know, you, you studied the classics, you studied philosophy and, and, you know, the Greeks and the Romans and Stoics and. You learned from writers and musicians and that builds up schemas inside the brain so that you can think of things in different ways. And I think part of the problem today is we have too much specializations and educa- the education system forces people to, to specialize. And I would say, you know, I felt like you, I was like, I envy people that are like, I just want to be an SDE and I want to write code all day. And I always felt like the square mm-hmm. peg in the round hole. But that is the way that humanity learned for a long time. So, if anyone's listening to this and you feel that way, it's a strength, and I feel like it's what it's enabled me. You know, we were talking a little bit about chaos engineering and chaos uh, before the episode, but it's what it's enabled me to deal with change because I'm not Mm -hmm. this one thing, you know. And I I, I think that's that's so important.
1: So, so maybe to your point, I was I was thinking back about the. Books that I've just finished or am reading, and as I was thinking about it, to your point of a bunch of different things, I'll, I'll share with you, you know, some of the things I've been I just finished or have been reading. So, one is a book called "How Bad Do You Want It," and it's it's about sport and you know how the the psychological aspect of effort can outweigh the the physical aspect that there that there's really this symbiotic relationship, but you know the mental aspect plays a huge role, right? Awesome. And then another book I just finished was I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. It's the autobiography of Maya Angelou, right? So completely different spectrum, but really, you know, provides this really vivid impression of, you know, black lives in, in I think it was the 40s, right? And just the oppression and just the the challenges. And then, you know, also kind of you know, different angle, domain-driven design, distilled, right? So a technical book, reading with my organization. And then you mentioned Stoicism, and I'm, you know, I'm doing The Daily Stoic. I don't know if you're if you're familiar with that book as well, but.
2: Meditations is right over there from The Daily Stoic. I have the okay. letter Yeah. Yep.
1: Ah, nice. Yeah. So I'm doing Ryan Holiday's book, you know, so it's like one quote every day with a little write-up. So, you know, it's part of my morning routine. So it's, it's just kind of to your point of a lot of different things. It's like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's a a pretty good reflection of the diversity of, of things going into my head and and maybe why I'm scrambled all the time. (laughs) (laughs)
0: No, but it's good good to have all those those pieces of information. And it, yeah, it's, it's less clean, but it's better overall. I think do stoics never smile or am I misunderstanding the whole purpose? Like what, what is the daily stoic? What have you learned?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe I should turn it over to Dave. He's got the, you know, the, the official, I won't call it Bible, but you know, book, OG
0: OG Stoicism,
1: OG, Um, yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can, I can give it a shot. I would just say this, Emily. It's, and we need it now more than ever. And some people are just naturally this way. Carl Jung ha- actually has a, a famous quote of saying, I'm not what happened to me. I'm what I choose to become.
0: Mm.
2: And stoicism is just a philosophy of that you are your thoughts. And that, I mean, everything it's, is present in your consciousness. And how you enjoy the world every day is largely determined by your mind. And actually understanding that some things are just they're just the way they need to be. You know, some people are just wired the way they need to be. And you need to understand, like, how you're reacting to things and how you react to the world will determine your experience in the world. And okay. Marcus Aurelius was a, a, an, one of the amazing, uh, you know, Roman emperors. Uh, he's actually in the book Gladiator. He's the <laughs> older guy. His son was actually horrible. But here's this emperor, like the most powerful person in the world, writing, why do I not want to get out of bed today? Uh, these people are super annoying. Why does that affect me so? And, and just like very human and was writing to himself. Interesting. Uh, and when you read it, it's, it's, it's just, it's very, it's humanity. You're like, wow, we're all connected. The people that came before us are connected. And it, what it's helped me, meditation and stoicism, and I do other things, but all of it has made me realize how much I was letting external things affect my mind. And I would say that is what's been really great to me about a stoic way of looking at things. I'll let Jody answer that too, but that's, that's what I felt. No, from it.
1: I've, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm glad I asked you to explain it because that's <laughs> so much better than, than what I would have said, you know? It, the way I summarize it, it, and to me, you tell me, Dave, I suspect you can probably elaborate on this too, but it reminds me a bit of Buddhism, right? You know, it's like, mm-hmm.
2: oh, it's yeah. just, a,
1: the, for me, it's it's kind of the notion of you really are, and the only thing you really control is, is how you feel and how you react to things, right? Yeah. And everything yeah. else is input. You know, you can't control it. We're all going to die. Like, you know, let's let's accept that, you know? Memento <laughs> mori. Memento yeah.
2: Mori right is another an story yeah.
1: podcast y'all Just, listen, y'all. <laughs> I <know>. oh. <laughs> sorry i took us off track here <laughs> no i uh no. i mean in buddhism
2: in Buddhism, one of the things there's the law of emptiness right which is can you know things can you truly know things like we assign words like if i said the sky is blue emily you can know what blue is but describe blue to a blind person what is actually the sky we think we know things based on the actual word but a lot of it is you just open your mind and you just look at things and, yeah. and you see light and shadow and, and it's different than just the word because words have meaning. So yeah, I, you're absolutely right, Jody. And that the memento Mori phrase, which I've told Emily, I think I've said it before on this podcast and you're like, it's kind of Mormon. <laughs>
0: you tell just, me this all the time.
2: <laughs> yes. Just remember you have to die. And to me, that's, it, 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 it focuses things to be like, why am I so upset about this today when none of us are getting out of here alive?
0: That's fair. Right? That's yeah. fair. And I, I think the key part before we end this philosophy, <laughs> a sidebar, <laughs> is um, <laughs> really taking a beat between the, the action and the reaction and choosing to have a moment and then respond rather than react. From what I'm hearing, that really yeah. is the power behind stoicism. So that's yeah. interesting.
1: I think it applies to, to writing code and, and what we do from a development perspective. You know, it's really easy... I think when you get into code to to pass judgment or you know to say okay well well this is really stupid why did somebody do this you know and and I think that it can be beneficial to step back and say okay well there something happened there was a decision made at that point in time that this person or whoever it was made the decision there, there's logic yes. behind it we're dealing with it now what do we need to do you know and and try to you know be in the moment of work and and figuring out the solutions rather than you know, getting hung up on the past or playing the blame game.
0: Yeah. Or suggesting entire uh, rewrites of...
2: Oh, don't go there.
0: So. (laughs) Um. (laughs) So Jody, you are a great example of an engineer who stepped into an executive role. And I know that seems a little bit more organic and natural for the CTO role, but I am passionate about developers moving into manage- management roles and eventually leadership or executive roles of all kinds. And I think especially for tech companies, it's critical because you have a, a different understanding of the context and constraints that we work within. How has that informed your job that background?
1: That's a- I almost don't think of them as separate at this point in time so it's like oh wait okay that's just how it is you know so I think as as technologists we tend to be problem solvers right my experience and and the way I look at things is always like okay what's wrong how do I fix it how do I work around it you know how do we address it so I I think that 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 you know when I look at our you know senior leadership team or exec team that's something that as an engineer or somebody with an engineering background that's an aspect i bring to it that it's it's typically pretty methodical it's it's you know if this then that you know just how do we work through the issues and really kind of focusing in on the key issues and and addressing those as opposed to you know a lot of i don't know discussion you know i tend to try to draw us to to data-driven decisions and and really narrowing the problem and then I think the other thing is just breaking things down into smaller, smaller problems, right? You know, if you, if you have a big challenge, what are the, the different components of it that you can then attack individually? So I think that's a big part of what engineers bring to leadership. And then, mm-hmm. you know, if I think back early on and just, you know, helping lead technologists, it's really the empathy and, and understanding of the challenges of, of engineers, and I don't think you have to be have to have been an engineer or a developer to manage engineers or developers. But I think you 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 have to have the empathy, and and the easiest way to get that I think is to have walked in their shoes to have have done that. Uh, but but you can you can have that experience, and you can learn through other ways. Right. I
2: was just going to say I love that. I you know a sociopath doesn't have any empathy. And a psychopath is born without empathy and i look at some of the policies in tech companies right are psychopathic there's no empathy at all yeah. and i feel like doing a job and then leading people that are doing that job allows you to have empathy even if a process like that has been created and i do believe good good leaders will inject empathy into psychopathic processes that happen at every company right and and most times it's done Without malice, it's just kind of what happened from that process and how it's evolved over time. But yeah, I, I completely agree. So anyway, I think that this has been amazing and we've certainly gone down some really amazing angles here. And what I would love to do, if you're up for it, is we do a second episode and we can kind of dive into just your view and Stack Overflow's role in you know developer experience and, and how you're, you're tackling that problem and everything moving forward.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. Love to love to talk about that.
2: Okay, excellent. And so, in the meantime, where can people find you online? Or is there any URLs that you want to share for folks that are uh, listening now that maybe want to check it out?
1: I'm not super, super active on, on social media. I'd say LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. Got uh, it. So easy to and find uh, there.
2: Yeah. And of course, everyone knows StackOverflow.com. So Everybody that's the really <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or at, yeah, at least there's this there's audience. There. Well, all right. Does anybody well, else matter? well i i everyone matters but developers are a certain breed so uh thank you so much for your time this was great and let's continue in part two
1: sounds good thanks